Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Franchuli from Wahoo's 24-7, and I hope all of you have had a good start to your week. And on this week's episode, we've done it a little bit differently. We split it up in two parts. The first part will be an interview with Virginia pitcher and Virginia quarterback Jay Wolfeck. And then we will also be answering questions from you. We asked our VIP Wahoo's 24-7 subscribers to ask us some of their most important questions from the recruiting trail. So we will be answering some of those after our interview with Jay. Now, of course, if you like what you've been hearing on our episode and want to make sure you're aware when there's a new episode, just make sure you subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. So let's get right to it. We'll start off with a man that is very well known around grounds and probably one of the busiest men around. <laughs> We've got not only Virginia pitcher Jay Wolfuck, but also Virginia quarterback Jay Wolfuck. Jay, how's it going? I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, but I, I'm not as busy as you are. You're you're juggling a lot on your plate. How has everything been? Uh, it's been it's been amazing, especially like it's been an amazing experience, uh, especially going from the fall to the spring. I mean, football was amazing, and then now going straight into uh, baseball. I mean, baseball season has been – we've been killing it. Uh, but, yeah, I've been having so much fun with it. I feel like you're living every young boy's dream, not only playing baseball in the college level but playing football. When you think of yourself as, you know, that eight-year-old kid playing Little League or playing peewee football, did you ever think you would have this possibility? Uh, honestly, no, this, um, going to sports was honestly something that I, uh, decided my ninth grade year. Uh, yeah, when I was young, funny story, when I was young, I actually wanted to play basketball in college. Uh, that was my first, that was really my, uh, like love. I have always wanted to play basketball in college, so I didn't really like, I'm not gonna say care about baseball or football, but basketball was the one when I was like seven or eight years old. Um, then, like, I quickly gave that up. Uh, <laughs> uh, I understood that probably wasn't going to be the choice. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely grateful to be in the situation. Like you said, it's probably like every kid's dream just to not only play football on a big stage, but also play baseball on a big stage. And I get the opportunity to play both of it. So, I mean, I'm definitely blessed. So you're telling me you never thought to be a triple athlete? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was on mine, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously you, you couldn't participate in spring football because you kind of had a baseball season to play. But I saw you in a couple of practices that they had open to the media. You did come venture in and saw them practice. What was kind of like, what did you see? What what was some things that you took note as you were there watching these practices? Um, I more took note of how Coach Elliott wants to run practice more than anything. I mean, yes, I want to learn how the plays go. I want to learn how the offense is set up. But I think the biggest transition is learning how Coach Elliott loves to do everything. Um it's, everything is fast. Everything is like you want to you want to be as perfect as possible. I mean, and I'm I'm glad Coach Elliott came in this uh, uh, head coach spot. I mean, it's a it's, it's a big spot for UVA football. 
But um, yes, yeah, my my biggest focus was trying to get um around the culture culture with Coach Elliott. And you also got to you know talk to Coach Lamb, the new quarterbacks coach too. How's that relationship kind of grown since his arrival? I know you're trying to manage your baseball schedule too, but I, I'm guessing you've been attending meetings or some sometimes hmm. talking to them as well. I mean, yeah, Coach Lamb is an amazing coach and also an amazing person. Um, I already feel like he's been coaching me for years, and I, yeah, like like you said, I haven't even been around him that long. But just uh, just the person he is is, I feel like he's been coaching me for a while now. So I mean, yeah, that relationship is going to be a big one, especially my next few years here. Also, you were in a different situation than a lot of guys when Bronco Mendenhall stepped down. Obviously, him and Jason Beck offered you and offered you the opportunity to play both sports, football and baseball. You didn't know if the new football coach would want you to play both sports. When you approached Tony Elliott, how happy were you that he was, you know, so willing and actually very enthusiastic about you playing both sports? And was that a concern for you during that coaching search? I mean, yeah, that uh, I remember right when we had the meeting for um, when uh, Coach Mendenhall stepped down, First thing went through my head, and I was this person doesn't want me to play uh, baseball, and um, and it was right right when I talked to him about it, he already knew. I, I he already knew coming in that I had the opportunity to play both, and it was just a big relief that he was. It seemed like he was more happy than I was. Like and he, I mean, he loves baseball. Um, as you know, he threw at that first pitch. I didn't expect that at all, but. Yeah, it was just a big sign of relief when he told me, like, he, he wanted to get a plan already with Coach O'Connor to see what we can do to make it happen. When you were going through the recruiting process, how, how much did you talk to, obviously this was Coach Mendenhall, but how much did you talk to Coach O'Connor versus Coach Mendenhall? How did that recruiting process really work? Because I know sometimes baseball commitments happen so much sooner than football commitments. Um. I'm more – I talked to probably Mendenhall a lot more just because, like, that was going to be my first sport coming in playing. And I, I know I had to get ready to play football first, then I had to play baseball, and especially since I'm on a scholarship for football. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I also had a lot of contact with Coach O'Connor, and Coach O'Connor told me to always stay in contact with Mendenhall so it, it could always work out no matter what goes left or what goes right. How grateful are you in that you're a part of this culture that allows so much communication between sports that you're able to do something like this? Because, you know, when I look down, a lot of high school athletes want to do this, but it's not possible certain places. Well, I'm definitely grateful. Without coaches like Coach O'Connor and Coach Elliott, it's not possible for me to do both. And a lot of people, and I know a lot of coaches who don't want their athletes doing both sports, like another sport, they want them to focus on just one sport. And I mean, yeah, I it was it was I was so I'm so happy just to be able to do this, and like it was a big reason why I committed here. A lot of schools didn't want me to play both sports, and I mean, just to see that Coach O'Connor and Coach Mendenhall just had a plan for me before I even committed. And I mean, that like I would, me and my family were just I was like, yeah, that this this is a school. 
So tell me how that transition was. You, you know, you finished football and you went straight into baseball. Do you have to adjust yourself mentally for that preparation? How do you do that transition? Um, well, so at the end of more so at the end of the football season, started throwing a baseball, like trying to get my arm ready for a baseball season. And it's not so much of like the mental parts. It's honestly like physical. Um, obviously you don't you don't lift as much like you do in football, you don't and especially as a pitcher, you don't wanna do that. Um but yeah, a mental the mental part of it was just more like look, you're going you, you gotta understand that you're not gonna have much time at all. So you, you that's that's more the mental part. Speaking of not having much time how does your time look like right now? Obviously you're focused on baseball, which in itself is a grueling schedule, but also this is, you know, they always say that the most important part in a quarterback's development or in a football player's development is between spring ball and fall camp. How do you manage balancing that out? Like looking through plays, um, going through your baseball, how do you manage all that? Oh, um, you know, when obviously, when we're on the road, I've always kept, like, studying the plays when we're on the road, um, you know, because we don't, I don't mean, we don't really, we don't do nothing when all we do is play baseball. So we're in the hotel. I mean, I just look over the plays a couple times and, like, you know, because I don't want to be rusty when, you know, August comes and when we actually start picking it up and playing again. So, I mean, that's how I really manage my time. Obviously, I couldn't participate in the spring ball, um, but – yeah, I just always looked over the plays, looked over the signs that they sent out, and so, so I can be ready when I do come back. You know, I think one of the things that when you think about it, your family live in Richmond, Virginia, which is only about an hour on 64, and then they got to see you start, the first freshman quarterback to start for Virginia since 1977, I believe. How happy were you to have family in the stands watching you in that type of environment against Notre Dame, a night game? I mean, it was it was a blessing. I'm, you know, you have your family there, and also you have – you feel like the fans are your family also. You feel like the football players, your teammates, are your family too. I mean, like knowing that everybody was behind me, no matter what the outcome was, like everybody had my back, and, like, that was probably the, the best part I had. I mean, obviously I didn't get the outcome I wanted playing against them, but – knowing like that's a great experience knowing like it was a humbling experience and I can learn so much from it. I mean, yeah, that was, it was just so fun being in that environment. Did you ever feel jittery going up there for your, for your first start? I know you played BYU. I think it was two weeks before that, but did you feel jittery having that first start? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, you have, you had one of the best quarterbacks in the nation in front of you averaging 400 yards a game, putting up insane numbers. I mean, and then you got to go in and try to keep that momentum going. I mean, like that, that's Talk about big, pressure, right? Yeah. He was a field, especially with a great quarterback like Brennan. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, I was pretty nervous, but I mean, it was just still fun. And does your family come up to any more of your baseball games now too? Did they make it for a lot of those home games? Oh yeah. Every home game they're here. Every, every single home game. So that's, that's, that's amazing to see. Uh, can you always ping them out? I know when I, I used to have my family in my soccer matches, I always, 
I can pinpoint my mom screaming. Do you feel like sometimes you can do that? You can kind of pinpoint where your families are? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, when when you grow up and you hear just three, four voices your whole life, no matter, you know, you're doing bad on the field or good, you only, no matter how loud the crowd is, you're going to hear your family more than anybody. And that's how I feel about mine. How much do you lean on that? Excuse me, it kind of cut out. Yeah, how much do you lean on that? Like you have that ability to pinpoint those voices. Uh, I mean, sometimes I, I really try to block it out because uh, I think it's more it's more my mom. She thinks she knows a lot more about sports when she really doesn't. And but yeah, I kind of try to block it out. But sometimes I just can't. I, I hear no matter what. Oh, mom's voices are always loud. You you can't block that out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And I promise not to tell her or maybe put this on the podcast for you. <laughs> um, but, you know, you also have, you know, a life outside of sports. You know, what do you do to kind of you have to escape this at some point? What is something that you do to relax yourself? Well, something I do uh, if I'm not doing homework, um, I'm probably watching anime. Uh, my favorite anime show is Naruto. Um, started watching it since I was like seventh grade. I used I was like one of those kids where like I didn't want to watch anime because I thought it was too like uh, like childish or something. But I started watching it and then I ended up loving it and I've been watching it every day since. And yeah, so anime I only that's the only thing I really watch. I don't watch other shows for real. I, anime is always the one I watch. Have you converted any of your teammates to anime fans? Uh yes, I've actually some of the baseball people, I tell them to watch specific shows on anime. And most of them like it. I don't know. I don't really keep tabs on if they like it or not. But I know some of them, they come back to me and just, like, keep telling me to um, tell me more about shows. So um, Before before we start recording the show, I told you I love Sailor Moon growing up. If you had to tell somebody, hey, this is the anime for you to kind of start which anime would you choose? I would definitely choose Naruto. Um, I, not because I started with that, but it's just more, it's a real, it's a really popular, it's a really popular anime. Um, and just the storyline and the plot. And it's about like, you know, a kid who really everybody hated, um, but like he worked hard to get where he's at. And I, I that's how I go today. I'm not gonna say anybody hated me when I was younger, but I just worked hard to get where I am today and that's how, and he just never gave up and I'm never going to give up either. You know, this kind of goes well with what I wanted to ask you next. You know, we're talking about animes and I think a lot of, you know, fans don't realize you have other interests more than sports sometimes. Um, what is the biggest misconception that you've had since being a student athlete? I think the biggest misconception people I think I think goes against me is like yes I play two sports but I have a lot more time than people think I do. Um, it's not like I mean these coach like these coaches here care about us. They're not going to just over flood us with practices and everything. And the teachers here are understanding. Thing I have I have a lot more time than really people think I do. But it's more like I I don't I don't go out. I don't like that time. I really don't have but. Like I have, I have more free time than people think. You mean you're efficient with your time? Like you, you actually more <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. 
what what's something that you really want to kind of well, I guess what is the type of the goals you want for the next year? Have you started thinking about what what do you want to accomplish? Obviously, you're still so young in your Virginia career. What is something that you want to continue to accomplish in it? Um, I've been um since you know we're in baseball season right now. I haven't really been thinking about football or anything or this um, upcoming year. But I know once once Brennan leaves, I like I want to. I want to keep that legacy and also build it and become better. Um, and I'm so thankful for Brennan. Uh, to be honest, a lot of things that I've accomplished in like a football standpoint wouldn't happen without him. Uh, he like took me under his wing. And like, I know during summer camp when I didn't know any of the plays, like he'd be right behind me, just telling me like all my reads and everything. And like, that's how I got um, so comfortable with the playbook. But yeah, like I want to, after he goes, I want to be that one to keep that legacy going, but also become better. And for, for baseball, is this team Omaha bound? Yeah, it's, uh, definitely. This team is Omaha bound. This is a real, this is a real special team. And I'm glad I'm, I can contribute and be a part of it. Well, I really appreciate your time, Jay. Thank you so much. And that was Jay Wolfuck answering a few of our questions. So thanks again for him for joining us. Um, although he says he's not as busy as we think, we know as a student athlete, you're still still busy. So we appreciate that time. So before we get to our next part of our podcast, we're just going to cut away for a few bit for a few minutes so we can listen to our sponsors. But when we get right back, we'll be answering some of your big recruiting questions. Welcome back to the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7. And like I said, just before the break, we asked our VIP Wahoo's 24-7 subscribers to send us a few questions about Virginia recruiting. What are some of the topics they want discussed? What are some of the biggest questions they have? Um, now, one of the things that it was a common theme among some of the questions, one of them was about if there's any more transfers that Virginia is looking at. And right now, Virginia is being very particular about which transfers they are going to go after. Um, it is very difficult to recruit transfers when you are UVA. It's always going to be a hurdle when you are recruiting transfers at Virginia because of admissions. Not only are you trying to figure out how the credits line up, but if you're recruiting a guy that has one or two years left, you're trying to map out your credits with them coming in with some credits that aren't transferable. A lot of times it's worth finding a guy that maybe only has one year at another school so you can see if that transfers work out or go the grad transfer route that only has one or two years eligibility. And then you're reliant if the graduate school accepts them. So there's a lot of hurdles to deal with transfer. So that's why, although you may see a name that they might be interested in or they might have been interested in, during the recruitment, there's a lot of other things I need to consider before extending an offer, or even if they visit grounds to see if they're able to qualify and get in UVA. So that is one thing that um, UVA has to deal with. Now, as far as names to know, now there's one offensive lineman, Ezra Dotson Oyatede, I probably butchered his name, from Arizona State. Now with him, UVA did reach out almost immediately after he put his name into the transfer portal 
at this time, it seems like he's trending towards TCU. Those there thought that he would have committed by now. So whenever I hear that they're close to a commitment, although I still think that might happen from everyone that I've talked to, he still has not committed. So anytime there's a guy that's not committed anywhere, Virginia has obviously a chance, but that is a name to know. Josh Moore is a DB out of UCLA. He visited over spring. He did not have a UVA offer at that time. And it seemed like Virginia was in recruiting him on the DB side. It was most likely to be the hybrid, more of a linebacker type. At last track, they have not offered him yet. Um, but that's also a name to know as far as transfers. When speaking to a source, they were more inclined to believe that Virginia was almost done in the transfer portal. Um, he had he had alluded the fact that possibly they would get more interior D linemen, which they did. They got Devontae Davis, who just committed after visiting this past weekend. He was a South Carolina grad transfer. So he alluded to the fact that UVA would always be open and adding more interior D linemen, but they were actually content on the O-line thinking if they did pick up Tyler Steen, that that would have just been a bonus offensive lineman. So they are okay on that front moving forward. So that is what I've been hearing. Obviously they picked up their running back out of Miami, which was a position we heard that they needed to address in a transfer portal. They were looking at possibly adding a tight end but I have not heard them connected to any tight end currently in the portal or since the spring started. So there wasn't much movement there. They were obviously connected with Steve Stil- Steven Stilianos prior to spring, but that just didn't obviously did not work out. So um, obviously you can tell that Virginia, although they need certain pieces are very particular in how they move forward, which is how you should be. You shouldn't just give out offers. Now, the other common theme that I did see is about the 2024 class, ironically. Um, not the 2023 class. Um, A lot of people are trying to see where things stand with those classes. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you. A lot of who I'm talking to and a lot of what I've been hearing is a lot of focused on the 2023. Yes, we hear about Chance Wiggins and Makai White. Um, We hear about Dante Reno, who will be visiting uh, UVA this week. Those guys certainly are are guys that names to know and UVA is recruiting them pretty hard. But right now, Virginia is focused on 23. Don't forget, they are behind in 23. Um, They are obviously keeping out in 24. But during the spring evaluation period, they're kind of doing both. They're they're evaluating both 23 and 24. So I would expect more offers to come out during the end, towards the end of May and towards June, especially when some of these guys are being invited to camp. COVID kind of delayed the process a bit because kids weren't allowed to camp at schools and coaches weren't allowed to do these evaluations last spring. So a lot of this has been delayed by a year. So that's why you're seeing a lot of 23 offers from other schools happening now. And even Virginia is offering a few 23 guys like the uh, wide receiver out of North Carolina. So that is what's going on right now is that they're trying to um, evaluate both classes. So I would expect more offers in the 24 class. I know a lot of people want to know about Zahir Rainer. Um, a lot of people want to know about, you know, uh, Kayvon Blanding and where things stand. And I think we're going to know more about that in the summer, just because this, this, this coaching staff is trying to figure out who they have on their board in 23, who they're adding on the board on 23 as well. 
because a lot of kids are either leaving the board or when they go see them, there's not quite who they thought or it's not a player that they see in the scheme. So they're still evaluating. So that is why we haven't heard a lot of the 2024 guys. But I will say the state of Virginia is loaded in the 2024 class. There's a lot of good kids. Uh, and the, when you look at the rankings in the top 10, um, it's it's a lot of good kids, especially kids that are in that pretty close to grounds. Uh, and Virginia has hosted six of the top 10 already. So Virginia is doing well in the 2024 class just by getting them on grounds. So even though you're not hearing a lot of movement on that on that side, you are because they're visiting grounds. So it's not cause to panic. So obviously, if you go on host 24-7, there will be a story posted with a lot of our Q&A there. So I'm just going to pick out a few of the other questions here. Mike V asks us, are the guys from King George a package in your mind? And I would say no. Honestly, covering recruiting, you rarely see the true package deal. I might, oh gosh, maybe like five true package deals in my career. Um, and one of them included the twins that ended up um, committing to BYU, which I covered last summer. So real package deals are very rare, and I do not think Makai White and Chance Wiggins would be the two guys to look out for package deals. Now, they will most likely visit the same schools, so you'll probably see a pattern of which schools you know they, they might show interest in, but I don't think they end up in the same spot just because the other guy is committing there. And kind of following up on that, I think UVA has done a good job with both of them. I think Coach... Marcus Higgins has done a good job of recruiting both of them and getting them on ground several times since January. So I think they're, they're in a good spot there with both of them. Um, and then another question is from UM to UVA. At this moment, who would be the highest rated 23 recruit you would put in the class? And uh, I don't think this is shocking. If you follow um, the message boards, I don't think you would be shocked with my answer, which is four-star defensive lineman Joel Starlings. I, I know there's a lot of talk about South Carolina. And to be fair, if I had to pick right now, I'll probably pick South Carolina. Um, I think they might hold a little bit of an edge, but this isn't recruiting. He's not re- ending his recruitment now. He said that he wanted to you know, calm down and not rush the process like he did prior when he committed to Michigan really quickly. He wants to extend it. He wants to take visits. And he's hoping to make a commitment after he makes visits, which plays really well for Virginia. Um, You know, UNC and West Virginia are getting their officials in the summer with Oklahoma getting an unofficial. But when you think of Oklahoma, South Carolina and Virginia are going to take get their officials in the fall with Virginia looks like gets the last word with their official visit on November 19th for their last home game against Coastal Carolina. That seems like it's a good bet that Virginia's going to have a good momentum going in there. Now, also, because a lot of these classes aren't as big as normal due to the COVID numbers and scholarship numbers and all the other factors you go in there, him him announcing his commitment towards the end, you're going to have some logistical numbers games with other schools as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays a role in his recruitment. But again, Virginia has done a good job with Joel Starlings. He's been on grounds three times with this staff. Once in January and twice in the spring, once for a practice and once for the spring game. So I really like how this is playing out. So Virginia should not be completely ignored. And honestly, again, I think that is someone that um, I could see in this class. So, um, again, some some good momentum when it comes to Starlings for Virginia. 
Let's see what other question here. Uh, BP Northside Who fan asks, there's no way all the Virginia linebackers we're recruiting go to UNC, is there? Um, obviously, UNC is a little bit of a, a sore spot for Virginia fans. Obviously, in the last month, Nolan McConnell, an offensive lineman out of Stafford, Virginia, committed to UNC over Virginia. And right now, Kavion Keys and Amari Campbell are two linebackers that both schools are going after from the state of Virginia. I think prior to last week, I always said Campbell and Keys looked like they were trending to UNC. And I still, to some respect, see that with Campbell, with Keys, although UNC is still doing well with him and he wants to take an official visit there. Hasn't locked in a date yet. I think his unofficial visit last Friday to Virginia has really helped Tony Elliott and his staff really get back in that recruitment. They're not just this team looking, look from the outside and they're involved now, which is a big thing. Cause before I don't think they were having any sort of momentum. I don't think they had any sort of interest, but I think adding honestly, Anthony Fisher's commitment kind of turned the tide a bit, you know, Anthony Fisher and Kavion keys are really close to get close to each other as well as Carlo Thompson, another preferred walk on commitment. So I think he's the one to watch now to see how this can momentum kind of goes forward. He says he wants to take another official visit. He wants to take an official visit to Virginia. So he's going to be one to kind of watch as this, you know, kind of changes moving forward. Um, let's do one more question here. And then, of course, if um, you want to hear more about our, you know, recruiting input, like who would we put a crystal ball in today for um, how many is should, if this class is going to be in the top 30, if that who and other things like that, then just head over to Wahoo's 24 7. We'll have it in our message board. And obviously, you can just click on the story as well if you're a subscriber. So, our four, final question is from MG234. If you were in charge of recruiting and an extra $5 million added to the budget, where are you spending it so it is most useful for UVA? So, after covering the SEC, I think the one big difference that you see from covering Virginia recruiting and cover SEC recruiting or just covering ACC recruiting, SEC recruiting is just the how many people actually work in the recruiting office. I think um, Virginia has a lot of good guys in the scouting department. They have a lot of former players that are involved in the process. And so I think they do a really good job. And I think Lindsay does a good job when the when the guys actually are on campus on grounds, excuse me. But I think they need more people. I think you can't have enough people when you're dealing with a multitude of classes, when you're dealing with a transfer portal. You're learning about these guys and their families, and you need to know all this information on your visit. Your your visit, these guys are on the, these coaches are on the road so much. They need to be have somebody there to let you know the minutia, the details of these kids' lives. So, so they can, you know, understand what's going on in their recruitments as well. I think the big thing is also social media and getting those social graphics out as much as possible, those social videos as much as possible. You see them on your timeline from other schools that when they visit, they not only have you know a couple pictures on a photo shoot, but they might even have videos edited now. You also have them, you know, during the NFL draft, them sending these graphics with these kids, you know, photoshopped saying that you will be the next NFL pick, so and so for whatever school they're the graphic is for. So I would add more people in the recruiting office. I would definitely expand the creative department, possibly adding a graphic designer, graphic designer, a video editor who is just for that recruiting department so that you're not stealing away from the guys who are doing video for your football team and those hype videos that you're saying that they're doing a good job of putting out. 
So I would do that. And maybe someone who's overseeing that, maybe someone who's has more experience than marketing, because again, you're marketing your program. This is another different way for you to show what this program is about. And then because you're putting these out, in a sense, the recruits that are visiting are also marketing for you or also hyping up the program because at the end of the day, you want them to put on social media that they visited. You want them on Instagram Live. You want them on TikTok. You want them on Snapchat. So this is a way to do that. So um, I'm probably not even close to getting that $5 million budget. That's a good stepping stone first is to create that good environment for the recruit um, and also just create those relationships so that they can kind of move forward. So, um, so yeah, those are just a few of our questions from our Wahoo's 24 seven subscribers. So if you go over to Wahoo's 24 seven and subscribe to us, you'll be able to look at not only the question, the answers and questions from this week, but also keep up to date with who is visiting where there are a lot of them are setting up their official visits for the summer right now, including defensive lineman Samaj Turner and linebacker Jalen Smith are just two of the guys we were able to confirm that are visiting for their officials this summer. So just make sure you head over to Wahoo's 24 seven to keep up to date with everything recruiting. And then of course we want to thank Jay Wolfick once again for joining us on our podcast. And thank you for all of you for listening in every week to our podcast. We are very excited to get some good reviews from those up in 24 seven about how much growth we've seen on the podcast and just about how much engagement we've been having on the site. So I am very grateful for all of you and I wish every one of you to have a good rest of your week. So goodbye, everyone.